All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Dismantling the Ivory Tower podcast. I am Elijah John, your host. I'm joined today and every day by <laughs> Dr. Clifford C. Meeks. How you doing, Doc? I'm all right. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be joined by me every day, but uh, every <laughs> single day, every day, no matter where I am. <laughs> you know, I, I do got a day job, too, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah this is a, this is a big episode um actually we uh recorded a an interview with dr adrian bennings the yeah. president of pcc we did mm-hmm. that what a couple weeks ago now but um we're gonna be segueing to that a little later that'll be kind of the back half of this episode yeah um so yeah. we're excited for everybody to see that yeah sure. welcome everyone uh episode two um so excited to continue this endeavor uh, with my fellow student and uh, you know alumnus of the Men of Color Leadership Program, uh, Elijah Yine. And so, um, John, it's John. John. That's right. I'm, I'm just I, you I'm know gonna I'm get just, your name right. It's all right. Eventually. It's like <laughs> nobody, nobody gets it. It's like Vine with a J. I always get. Is it Jagney? Is it Jane? Is it? Yeah, I've had some weird pronunciation. Yine is honestly the closest that anybody's ever gotten. So, you know. I'm still not going to take that as a compliment, brother. Because <laughs> you know where I stand with names. Names, yeah, names, fair enough. names are important. So, you know, if I'm not getting it right, I'm a, you, I don't have to tell you that. I've already told you this. But if I'm not getting it right, I need to be, then please don't hesitate to correct me. So, right. Um, but no, definitely welcome to our audience, the uh, second episode of the podcast. And as you said, we had a great interview with uh, Dr. Bennings, uh, who for our audience, uh, for context for our audience, is the uh, new, pre- still fairly new president uh, here at Portland Community College. Um, she just came on in July, and so she's uh, kind of hit the ground running, as they say, um, but so far... Um, uh, at least from the conversation we have with her, it appeared that, you know, she's acclimating pretty well to not just the environment here at PCC, but also, uh, just Portland in general. So I think, um, you know, I think when our audience hears that interview, um, they'll get more context as to who she is. Um, but I think also more importantly, it was interesting to, um, determine, what her own definition of the ivory tower is. Absolutely. And uh, I think we're going to expand upon that a little bit today because we went over it last episode, but uh, I think you had some more you wanted to share as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I think one of the things, and I mean, you know, having, <clears throat> having been in the program and, uh, you know, sharing with you and the rest of your cohort, some of my own background, you know, I, I consider myself a bit of an amateur, amateur historian. And so, um, I like to kind of look into the context of things and sure. how things came about. And so, you know, after we did the first episode, um, and just in general, we were developed when we were brainstorming on this endeavor, you know, the ivory tower is a phrase that I've always heard. And it seems like many people have heard. Um, but as we started you know, putting, manifesting this into the reality, you know, questions started coming up with, okay, so where did this phrase even come from? Yeah, what is it? What does it mean? Yeah, (laughs) Like, how how did this even come about? And is it, is it something that like, is the ivory tower specifically like speaking about academia? Right. Yeah. You know, like I've had, that was actually a question I got. It was like, is ivory tower, does that, could that be all kinds of parts of society? Is that just academia? Like, so there is a little bit, I think of confusion just on what that is in the general sphere so I think it's important to uh kind of elaborate upon that yeah yeah and I and, uh, I did I'm, a, I'm gonna forward you on this article I came across by uh Stephen Shapin mm-hmm. uh who is a professor of uh history at, uh, history of science at uh, Harvard University okay. he actually wrote an uh, article uh titled the ivory tower history of a figure of speech and its cultural uses oh interesting yeah and uh I've been <clears throat> You know, I've been dismantling the article, <laughs> pun intended. So I've been dismantling his article, but it's it's very fascinating that he starts out by saying, like, there never was this 
ivory tower in terms of like a literal right a physical a representation physical representation sure. you know and 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 he and the very next sentence in the in uh, at the start of his article is it was always a figure of speech and so that's essentially what we are you know uh uh dismantling or even uh, unpacking it's this, an idea yeah this idea or this figure of speech but as i've read through a good portion of the article i still have a few uh pages left but that figure of speech has morphed over time you know and 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 for me you know he starts back to uh you know period of antiquity um, he even cites uh, some uh, biblical references, not necessarily to like an ivory tower, but I remember growing up learning about the Tower of Babel and mm. how that was something built to uh, house knowledge. Is that right? Well, house knowledge, but also kind of a way to try and travel up to the heavens, mm. if you will. And, you know, um, and it was interesting, you know, how even in that period, like towers were designed and I'm, and I'm kind of paraphrasing some of his text, but towers, at least in periods of antiquity were designed as these mountains, man-made mountains, if you want to call it that kind of reaching up into the heavens, reaching up into, um, you know, what some might, con what some might call the imaginative or the creative okay. space. Um, you know, and, and, and kind of a way <clears throat> of, you know, being in space that allows one to disengage, mm. you know, from what's perceived as the reality. Sure. And, and from there, I've just been like, wow, okay, you know, contrasting that, just contrasting that part to... Our own, and when I say our, my references, your references, because ours, our, both of our references are a little similar yeah, in the sure. context of academia, mm -hmm. you know, um, trans juxtaposing his just the an antiquity, you know, the antiquated, um, you know, context with our modern day context. To me, it's already exposing. Oh wow! The way it was thought about back then, and the way it's thought about now, is like on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and so, and so it's, it's kind of fascinating as as I'm continuing to unpack this as to to learn how the figure of speech, quote unquote, the ivory tower as a figure of speech has morphed over the years, um, and it really came to more prominence. Excuse me more so in the 20s and the 30s, um, you know, and it wasn't even associated with academia. Okay. Honestly, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Expand upon that because I'm interested to know, like, where did it come from? What was it talking about? Yeah, it was actually, at least according to uh, Professor Shapin, you know, it started out as, um, you know, it, it started out as a way to, uh, really in the in the realm of art okay um and literature you know the arts and literature and it was kind of this um space where um i guess and and i'm definitely going off of his text mm -hmm. but it's it, i am interpreting it as a space where one went to contemplate and then produce, you know, the art. Mm. And so, but what kept coming up for me was this, what is perceived as a, as a bit of a negative connotation because the ivory tower, and, and here's what I mean, Elijah, uh, it, the reason why I'm perceiving it as a negative connotation is because it was, at least in this antiquated context, the ivory tower was perceived as a way for one to disengage from the reality and not kind of deal with the with 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 the 
reality of struggle, mm. with the reality of so you you kind of sitting day. up in your ivory tower. You got all the cares. Yeah, you don't care about them anymore. It's like you're you're up in your tower. Nothing else matters. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You're kind of sitting up there, and you're not really worried about the struggles of your fellow human uh, humankind. Maybe even know? looking down on them it, from your to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I even got that connotation as well. It's mm-hmm. like, oh wow, you know, in some sense, this ivory tower is one in which. Folks are peering over and saying, oh, that's what y'all are dealing with? Yeah, okay, right. I'll check in with y'all later yeah, on. Yeah, So, And it's interesting because I think that almost even ties into our modern day. We kind of have these, nowadays it's not an ivory tower, it's a skyscraper, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's, yeah, but, but it yeah. is like in a non-academia you know, academia setting, mm-hmm. that ivory tower is a skyscraper. And there are people who are looking down and... And up there, no cares. And it's it's very much like up in the penthouse, you know, um, New York City. I think <laughs> that's kind of that's a real thing, though, um, that that exists now. Um, and, and then, I guess, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, having, you know, the other context, I think I, I, I've, I've been getting as I'm continuing to read and in some instances reread certain passages is that. You know, here it is. You have one who retreats to their ivory tower mm-hmm. and, you know, but more importantly, OK, once they say they come out of it, and yeah. they, they they choose to reengage, you know, with society, mm-hmm. um, then what is the product? You know, and again, we're speaking in terms of like, again, this was used primarily in a literal uh, in literary circles and artistic circles. So that what is the product that's being produced mm-hmm. and is that and is that relevant and cogent to the society's current reality? Sure. And so oftentimes it was, you know, I, I think that was I think largely that's up for debate. Mm-hmm. But like again, the perception I got was that it's it's not you know the the product was not anywhere near what the reality was for the people, if that makes sense, right? Um, and and in some instances, you know, we can kind of see that in today's context. If we take it out of the realm of academia, mm-hmm. what we see happening is certain folks, you know, uh, who've been you know, deemed with a certain sense of uh, representation, you know, to deemed to represent, you know, communities and populations. And large but, swaths of people. Yeah, large swaths of people. But the, the agenda is different from the communities that they're representing. Right. And I think a lot of that is because if you're in up in your ivory tower, you're not you're not in the community. Right. Right. You're, so, so you're coming from a place of privilege and ignorance and then you come out of that and you are completely disconnected from what's going on yeah. um, and what's happening to your fellow man. And I think that, uh, you know, highlights sort of maybe what the ivory tower represents, which is, well, in my eyes, right, the ivory tower is it's knowledge, but it's also, well, my initial kind of idea of what the ivory tower was, was like, the, all right, so there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's this um you know like the you were saying the tower of babel was that not a library was it or no okay no, um, i'm not super familiar i'm honestly i'm not super familiar but when i thought of it i thought of like a huge like a library with yeah. all this not like books and mm-hmm, you know all mm-hmm. this stuff and to dismantle it when i thought of that i thought of like letting all that knowledge out spill out to the people right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I'm not sure if that's necessarily the context. It sounds like maybe it wasn't necessarily what it meant initially, uh, but that's kind of what it's come to mean to me. But it's it's interesting because this is kind of challenging that for me. Yeah. And I mean, and again, I think, too, for our audience sake. It's it's fine for us to have this conversation. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're having a podcast, you know, around this concept, because in some instances, What's even coming up for me is, okay, I've been hit with this negative representation of the ivory tower. Mm -hmm. At the same time, as I'm peering through Professor Shapin's text, I'm like, okay, but is there any, is there any level, is this ever a positive 
Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Is there right. ever a positive spin, or is or are there is there ever someone defending the need for an ivory tower? An ivory tower, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and it, and because to me, it even us talking about its antiquated definition versus the modern day and juxtaposing that with the modern day, we're already seeing it. It's <laughs> as as a as some some folks would say, it's already complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot, right? There is a lot to unpack. But I think that's what's the beauty of our podcast mm-hmm. endeavor here is let's unpack that and let's let, let's unpack that in the multiple way, primarily through the lens of academia. Sure. At the same time, we also need to look at it from the lens of society as a whole. Yeah. Let's look at it from the lens of society as a whole, because to me, you know, the the, the two uh, interplay with one another, you know, right. and 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 I'm I'm already wondering, you know, particularly in the context of academia and, and particularly in the ter- context of college, you mm-hmm. know, higher education, uh, as is generally termed, you know, how how is this? how is this going to unravel itself, you know? And, you know, how does this, how does this term, this figure of speech um, juxtapose in the context of higher education, how does it interplay with social justice? How does it interplay with, you know, um, uh, um, you know, certain forms of identity? that Mm -hmm. we've been talking about in class. Heck, how does it even interplay with, you know, you can even go so far as, say, political ideology. Right. Regardless if you identify as liberal, conservative, regardless of what you identify as, you know, how does it interplay with all of these notions that make up our society but also make us us up individually Mm -hmm. as well? Right. So, um still unpacking that but i also think too it's also a great question to ask all of our each of our guests like yeah what's what does it mean own, to you yeah, yeah what is our own definition because you know in some i feel like in a lot of ways no matter what is said we'll be able to find some snippets of similarity but Definitely. also some snippets of uh contrast because it's up for interpretation Exactly. It is. So, yeah. So it's definitely, you know, I feel like everybody can bring something new to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we're here to, I mean, the ivory tower being the figure of speech that it is, is really representative of a bunch of systems. It's yeah. really comprised of all these different systems and different people with different identities are affected by these systems in different ways. And so, when they talk about dismantling the ivory tower, they might be talking about dismantling a different part of it mm-hmm. than, than we mm-hmm. are usually. Um, or they, they just might bring something to it that we wouldn't have uh, maybe thought of coming from our backgrounds. Right. right? Um, and so I think that would be, that would be important to uh, definitely keep expanding upon. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like, I like the, I like the um, analogy or the metaphor you kind of use in the sense of, you know, in some respects, it's almost as if, you know, you could even say the ivory tower is made up of different rungs. You know, you were mentioning systems of oppression and, you know, the tower itself could be these different rungs of oppression. You mm-hmm. know, you know, whether it doesn't matter which one is necessarily at the base or at the top. It's just all these rungs. And so some folks might be focusing on this one level and other folks might be focusing on the level beneath it and the level above it Mm -hmm. but if if you look at it i guess from a from a broader context everyone's trying to dismantle yeah at the same time right right you know which is what is necessary you know and even from a you know even from the context of critical race theory Mm -hmm. it's like dismantling one aspect of systemic oppression is not going to dismantle the whole thing you no it, to, it's a collaborative process yeah, Every, yeah. like you said everybody's got to be dismantling their own part yeah yeah you can't just you can't just 
you know, eradicate racism and then think sexism and yeah. <laughs> homophobia and, and yeah. all, you know, all uh, classism are going to go away. That's not, that's not how this works. So no, not at all. <laughs> you and know, so you have to, you have to sort of attack different points. Exactly. Exactly. Cause they all interplay with one another. Absolutely. So, so yeah, but no, I, I, I think this is going to be a pretty fascinating read and, you know, if you're okay with it, I think maybe if we can just continue to unpack this particular text, uh, and I actually want to get your thoughts because I just started. Like, yeah, I've re- I haven't read so, that. I haven't read that yet. So yeah, I just started. So yeah. um, I was just kind of like I say, just doing a Google search, just trying to see well, what what is some context here, mm-hmm. and so I think it's a great way for us to also provide some additional context to our audience, also. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think at this point we are going to segue into our interview with Dr. Adrian Bennings, president of PCC. Um, it was a great interview. We uh, really proud of that one. So, uh, yeah. Anything you want to say before we uh, dip out of here? Not. Nah, nah, I think I think uh, folks will get to know a little bit more about who she is and, you know, her intentions uh, at this uh, institution. And, um, you know, I think I think people are going to. Uh, I know for us, you know, I'm I'm excited to hopefully invite her back. Oh, definitely. So. Yeah, definitely. I think we definitely would like to have her back. But uh, yeah, enjoy, guys. Here we go. Well, um, thank you so much, Dr. Bennings, for coming. Um, it's so great to have you on the show. Uh, and we're just going to jump right into the questions because I know we don't have a ton of time. So the first question I want to ask you is sort of, how would you describe your origin story and, and whatever that means to you? Could you just kind of give us some of your background? Goodness, my origin story. I like the way <laughs> you shaped that question. Um, I think it's important to talk about a little bit of where I come from in terms of family and experiences growing up because that has really shaped um, who I am today and continues to shape you know, who I am. Um, so I uh, grew up in a military Christian home and I was the middle child. I think that right there is a beautiful mix of kind of you can infer some things that have (laughs) come to be because of that. Um, You know, my father was military Air Force. And so my home was uh, really structured in a sense of having things a certain way. My dad really brought that military background into the home in terms of not just the structure, but the organization and the routine. Mm. And uh, growing up, that was really hard for me. Um, But I think it's important to share in terms of my origin because that has translated um, at one point in my time, uh, my life into an unhealthy way of just having to have everything's a certain way. And so if you ever hear me speak, I say I'm a recovering type A. (laughs) I don't know if you ever fully recover. And um, excuse me. With type A personalities, it's like you have to have every I dotted and T crossed. You have Mm. to know what's going to happen from here to next. So I learned very hard uh, in life growing up that that's not the way life happens. But that was a part of my origin story and growing up and shaping who I was. Um, The other part of the dynamic is... um, I did grow up in a home as a PK, and for those who may not know, uh, I am a preacher's kid, and that came with pressures and expectations and judgments and just a lens of criticism and observation that, as a preacher's kid, um, you know, was something that really heightened my awareness about who I was and behaviors I was able to do or not do. The third factor of my origin story is the middle child. And um, I was a middle child. My uh, older sister is a year older than me. My baby brother is five years uh, younger than me. And that really disrupted my world because I was the baby. And I thought (laughs) I was the baby. So I had to settle for being the baby girl. And That led me to really, uh, growing up, seek attention, become a a daddy's girl, but also to stand out from my siblings. And um, that led for me to go into competition athletics, you know, and that shaped that role and that journey. And athletics has been core to who I am um, today in terms of just having that discipline and that competitive drive. But also I had to navigate that as a part of my journey in terms of, you know, the greatest competition is yourself, right? And I had to shift, and even in this professional realm, have to shift from competing not for the performance of people, but competing for the performance of bettering myself mm-hmm. because there's so much of myself that I have to give to others. So that's a snippet of my origin story. Yeah, no, thank you. That was very, very in-depth. I appreciate it. Um, well, 
before we uh, actually, Dr. Meeks, I think I'm going to take this next question as well, um, because this is one I, I formulated. Uh, this is this is just something I was sort of curious about as I was doing a little bit of background um, on you in preparation for this podcast. Um, I, I saw that you spent a lot of time at Texas Tech. Um,
Hi, I'm Ali Sudiman, Director of Sound.